Would you turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. I'm going to ask you to stand if, you, if you're able to, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles, your devices open to that. It'll also be up on the screens, but we're going to pray first anyways. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for today. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. Lord, my heart is so blessed uh, by some of the uh, old-time choruses that we sang and uh, just by the moving of your Holy Spirit here this morning. I believe, Lord, that you are here to encourage. Uh, you are here to heal. You are here to uplift. Uh, you are here to give us reminders and uh, to touch us. You are here. You are here. And God, we are so thankful that when we gather, we're not alone. Uh, we're so thankful that when we go through things, we're not alone. Uh, Lord, that, that when we go through life and uh, things happen, we go through the ups and downs, we're not alone. God, you are with us. Your love is with us. Your, uh, your mercy is with us. Your grace is with us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We're so thankful, God, that you're not done with us yet. And so, Lord, touch your people. Uh, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, anybody here ever hear the story uh, behind the origins of Valentine's Day? Um, like where it came from and, and why we call it that today? Uh, there are different variations of this legend historically. Um, some good, some not so good. But one of them says approximately 250 years ago after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a priest by the name of Valentine. He lived in Rome during the reign of Emperor Claudius, who was committed to rebuilding the once great Roman army. Now Claudius, the emperor, he believed that it was very important for men to volunteer for armed service rather than drafting men into service against their will. Makes sense, right? And yet, given a choice, most young men in the Roman Empire actually refused to serve. Imagine that. They'd rather be at home in peace with their wives and their children than go off to war. As a result, Claudius came to believe that only single men would actually volunteer for service. And so he issued a royal edict that banned all further marriages. No one could get married anymore. And he literally outlawed weddings in the Roman Empire, earning himself the nickname Claudius the Cruel. Claudius the Cruel. Now listen, Valentine thought that this law was absolutely ridiculous. See, one of his favorite duties as a priest was to marry people. I love weddings too. They're joyous and it's just such a good thing to see people come together. After Emperor Claudius passed this law, Valentine secretly continued performing marriage ceremonies. Like he would quietly whisper words of the ceremony for couples who came into his home to be married, while at the same time listening for soldiers who might be nearby. As you can imagine, at times it was pretty scary just not knowing what could happen. Well, one night Valentine actually heard footsteps, and there was a knock at his door. And the couple he was marrying, they escaped, but Valentine was caught. And so he was thrown into jail and he was sentenced to death. Valentine, he tried to stay cheerful through all of this. I don't know if I could stay cheerful with a sentence of death. 
Many of the young couples that he had married came to visit him in jail. They even threw flowers and notes up, his, up to his window to let him know that they too still believed in love. While in prison, one legend says that he fell in love with the daughter of one of the prison guards. And so she visited him in his cell and they often sat and talked for, for many, many hours. Well, on the day that Valentine was set to die, stories say that he left her a farewell note and he signed it, Love, your Valentine. Supposedly that note started the custom of exchanging love notes or Valentine's cards on Valentine's Day. And interestingly enough, his note was written on the day he died, February 14th, 269 AD. A day set aside in honor of a man who gave his life for God and for love. Every year on this day, people remember St. Valentine and they celebrate love. Again, this is a legend. If you look it up, there are all kinds of variations. Well, listen, the Bible is full of references about love. In fact, in a world that is oftentimes confused about what love really is and how you and I can experience it, the Word of God is literally, and it clearly defines love. Many scholars tell us the, the Apostle John was known as the Apostle of Love. In some Bible translations, he's referred to as John the Beloved. John the Beloved. His love and special friendship with Jesus Christ is recorded, it's confirmed and documented in Scripture. And so John knew God's, he, he knew God's love for him personally. And in his gospel, he even refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. His fellow disciples, probably, that's probably a little presumptuous of you, isn't it? But he knew the love of God. In fact, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, are known by many as John's love letters to the church. And so this morning, let's go to our text beginning at verse 7. The Apostle John writes, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And see, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through who? Through him. And this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. One of the simplest and yet most profound definitions of love is found right there in verse 8, where John says God is love. Again, simple yet profound, right? Those three little words ought to fill our hearts with warmth and hope at every stage of life. The fact that God is love. And again, if those words are true, God's love makes all of the difference in the world. Amen? And listen, it's, it's, 
It's important, especially in today's world, to understand this simple phrase rightly. See, God is love that does not mean that love is God. In other words, love does not define God. Rather, God defines love. And again, that's important today more than ever. See, much of what people call love in modern-day America, in the, in, the, in the world today, has no resemblance or relationship to a holy and a righteous God. And, you know, we sang about that, being on, on holy ground and being in the presence of God. And, and all of that is possible because of the love of God. Did you know that there was a time that if you came uh, uh, unprotected or uncovered into the, the holy presence of God, you could be consumed? Aren't you glad that you're not consumed this morning? As we worshiped, as we raised our hands, we're, we're not consumed. We know that, you know, our culture today is very busy trying to label things that, that clearly God hates his love. And so that when we, when we oppose them as people of faith in Christ, we get labeled hateful and intolerant. But, but since God is love, he's the standard and we filter everything through him, amen? The, I want us to look at this text a little closer. Very simple, very straightforward. We're going to see how God intended to impact our lives through his love, especially as we get ready to celebrate uh, Valentine's Day on Tuesday. In this chapter, uh, uh, John indicates four characteristics of God's love for you and for me. And the first thing that I want to point out is that God's love is a personal love. I, I, listen, I come from a very religious background and I remember thinking of God's love in terms of humanity. And, and that's good and that's true. I remember thinking of, of the love of God in terms of everyone. But it's not just everyone and it's not just humanity. It's the personal love of God that you are here this morning. It's because of the personal love of God that you are able to breathe this morning. It's because of the personal love of God that you are blessed this morning whether you realize it or not. Again, John begins this section of scripture by saying, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not know love does not know God, for God is love. I think the, the big impression of these two verses is that, for me is that the love of God is very personal. Because God's love causes us to know him and it allows him to know us. See, I think A.W. Tozer said it best when he said, the love of God is one of the greatest realities in the universe, a pillar upon which the hope of the world rests, but it is a personal, intimate thing too. God does not love populations necessarily. He loves people. He does not love masses necessarily. He loves men. One of the most powerful messages that we can take to people today, people need this message, is that God loves them. See, every individual person is important to God, and he loves each person. There are people today in your sphere of influence that think right now, today, in 2023, God could never love them. They think that. Some of your friends, maybe even some of your family members, maybe somebody here today, you think God could not possibly love me. Pastor Freddie, you do not know what my life has been like, my choices, the way I have lived my life. There is no way that God could ever love me. There are people right now, that is their opinion. That is where they're at. And they need to hear from you that God is love and that God loves them. 
that, that for me, I always say this, listen, if God can love me, God can certainly love you. If you only knew, listen, I am not a perfect person and I've been through some things and I've uh, done things that have, I believe have hurt the heart of God and yet he's received me and yet he has called me back and yet he pours out his love and his blessings on me. He loves me and he loves you too. Uh, G.K. Chesterton understood this truth when he said, all people, people matter. You matter, I matter. It's the hardest thing in, in theology to believe. Luke uh, chapter 12, verses six and seven, uh, Jesus said, aren't five sparrows sold for two cents? And God doesn't forget any of them. Even every head, hair on your head has been counted. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. That's amazing. Not a single bird that falls from the sky falls without God's notice. And how much more important are you and I than birds? And don't be afraid. You are more worth more than those sparrows. God knows every head on your hair, even if you don't have many this morning. He knows every head on your hair. Hair on your head, yeah. That's what I meant. I love it. He's a personal God. His love is personal. It actually, it's still, it's been, you know, 20, 25 years of serving Jesus, ups and downs. When I think of the personal love of God, it, it just, it overwhelms me. When I look at the cross, when I think of his passion, when I think of his sacrifice, John 10 verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for my sheep. The image of shepherding is lost here in America. We have some sheep down the road from where I live in Milton. We kind of love that in the summer uh, we get to hear the sheep uh, make their noises, funny noises. But listen, when, when Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem, shepherding was very common. And one of the outstanding characteristics of good shepherds was that they knew each of their, well, uh, each of their sheep by sight, but they often knew each of their sheep by name. And so Jesus says, I know my own sheep. God's love, yes, it's, in, it's universal, but it's also individual. As Augustine put it, he loves each one of us as if, we were, as if there were only one of us. And so the first characteristic of God's love is that it's personal. But also God's love is a proven love. Say proven. It's a proven love. Go to verses 9 and 10 again of our text. In verses 9 and 10, John says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. It goes on to say, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Listen, some of you may have said it at one time or another. You get people that might tell you, oh, I love you. Uh, you know, I really love you. And sometimes we want to say, prove it. Prove it, because sometimes people don't. They, they say they love you, but they don't act like they love you. But God's love is proven. It's proven. God's love for us was manifested, one translation says. 
manifested. It was proven to us through the life and death of Jesus. You see, love is a verb. It's an action verb. It requires action. Plus, love is clearly demonstrated through behavior. And the love of God is no exception. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Think on that for a moment. When you were at your worst, when you were the filthiest, when you were the most broken, when you might consider yourself to have been irredeemable, there is nothing good about me, Pastor Freddie. God sent Jesus to die on a cross, and he did it gladly to save you. He did it gladly to cleanse you. He did it gladly to prove his love for you. Someone once told a story that a traveler fell asleep, uh, fell into a, a deep pit, and he couldn't get out. Several people came along and saw him struggling in the pit. The sensitive person said, I feel for you down there. The reflective person said, it's logical that someone would fall into that pit. The interior designer said, I can give you ideas on how to decorate the pit. The judgmental person said, only bad people fall into pits. The curious person said, tell me how you fell into that pit. The legalist said, I, I believe you deserve your pit. The IRS agent said, are you paying taxes in that pit? The self-pitying person said, you should, you should have seen my pit. The Zen Buddhist said, just relax and, and don't think about the pit. The optimist said, cheer up, things could be worse. The pessimist said, be prepared, things will get worse. <laughs> Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand, lift him, lifted him out of that miserable pit. The point is, it doesn't do any good to talk about love and compassion without proving it. God demonstrates his love. God showed off on that day when Jesus hung on that cross. God showed off on that day when Jesus rose from the grave. God demonstrated his love for you, for me. He's proven his love for us. I even like to say again, God shows off his love for us and through us. How has God proven his love for you? Maybe you're here this morning and you're healed and you know it because God proved his love to you. You're here, you're saved. You, 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 you were once headed for destruction. You were headed for hell you, you, by your actions, by your life, by your heart. But today you're saved. Maybe there was a time when you were bound, but today he proved his love for you because today you're here, you're sitting here, and you're delivered. God proved his love for you because like Pastor John, maybe you were inches away from an accident that could have thrust you into eternity, but God said, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You have an expiration date, and today is not the day. You are favored today. You see the favor of God in your life? He's proving his love for you. You've seen his blessings. We're blessed to be a blessing. If you're blessed even in, in, a, in a micro way, it's God that is doing it, proving his love for you. Listen, Jesus' death on the cross was not the result of jealous Jews or hard-hearted Romans. It, it was the result of a loving God who in his wisdom saw that there was no other way. Jesus chose the nails. He chose them to demonstrate just how far he was willing to go 
to win your heart with his love. Again, God's love is personal. God's love is proven. And third, God's love is a perfecting love. It's a perfecting love. The apostle of love goes on to say in verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if, say if, if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Listen, since, since God's love is already perfect, how many of you agree God's love is perfect? And even if you don't, his love is perfect. The phrase, his, his love is brought into full expression in us actually has to do with him perfecting us. The word translated perfect in some translations uh, or being brought into full expression, it actually means being brought into maturity, being brought into completion. In other words, God's love completes us. It makes us whole. It gives us significance. Without the love of God, we would never be complete. There would always be something missing. And I don't know, some of you have been saved a long time like I have, and you might not remember that, but I do remember that. I try to make sure that I remember that, that there were times when I was doing my religious thing and I was trying to do more good than bad, and at the end of the day, something always felt like it was missing. Something always felt like it wasn't, like I never could do enough because I could never do enough because he did it all. There was something missing. But he, he, you know, in that process of, of just allowing him to perfect us, in that process of allowing him to mature us, we're be, beginning to experience that love of God. And, you know, again, without the love of God, we would not be complete. And God's love, as with all true love, is meant to foster personal growth and development of the one that he loves. And listen, if you're growing today, if you're, maybe you're going through some growing pains. Anybody ever go through, through growing pains? I remember when uh, a couple of my kids, they physically were like, oh, you know, my knees hurt, my, my, uh, my elbows hurt. Uh, listen, I'm 51 years old and I have that going on right now. So I'm just going to say I'm still growing. I'm still growing. It's growing pains. But if you're here this morning and you feel like maybe you're still kind of going through some pains, you're going through some experiences that you would love to kind of get through, like, God, just come on, open the new door. Oh, Lord, let me see the, the end of the tunnel. Listen, in the tunnel and in the pain, whatever you're going through, he's perfecting you. He's working on you. We, in sports, you know, we say, you know, uh, 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 you know, follow the process or, you know, just, uh, in other words, be connected with it. Don't shortcut it. And I think for us, it's the same. We can't shortcut the process. God is working. God's love is not selfish. He's genuinely looking out for our best interest in, in the process of perfecting us. We're reminded of this in Romans 8, 28, where it says, and we know that God causes everything, say everything, one more time, say everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God causes everything to work together for your good, for my good. We don't always want to hear that, do we? I don't like this. This is garbage, Pastor Freddie. I, I, I can't wait to get through it. He's perfecting you. He's working on you. 
He will cause all things to work together for good. God wants good things for us. Anybody believe that? God wants good things for us. Everything that God does in your life or mine is for our good. That's what God's love is all about, wanting and doing what is best for another person. Remember, God's goal for your life is to make you like Jesus, to give you a heart like His, and transform you into the best possible version of yourself because of Jesus. That's what God's love does when we let it into our lives. It changes us from the inside and it makes us better than we could ever be on our own. And so God's love is personal. God's love is proven. God's love is perfecting. Lastly, God's love is preserving. It's a preserving love. Finally, go with me to verse 14. John announces in verse 14, And furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Listen, God did not send His Son to die on a cross just to prove, just to prove that He loves us, but He wanted to save us too. God's love for us is one that wants to preserve us, to save us, to give us life and life more eternal. Jesus, driven by His limitless love, came into the world to become our Savior. Like it says in John 3.16, never grows old for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Worship team, come. Listen, because of God's real love and only because of God's love, our lives can be preserved for all eternity. S.L. Bastian once wrote about a certain kind of spider that builds its nest in the branch of small trees or a bush. Within this delicate enclosure, the baby spiders are hatched. Don't freak out too much. He wrote that, that, that it does those things. If the nest is disturbed in any way, the little spiders will rush out in fright and so immediately, the mother goes to their side, but she is alerted to their potential danger in the most unique way. Listen to this. Each of the young spiders, the babies, has a thin, silky strand attached to it. And all of these strands are joined together into the body of the mother spider. And when the babies are threatened by an enemy, they naturally scurry off giving their lines a sharp tug. That tug is instantly felt by the mother spider. Within seconds, she pulls them back into the nest where they're protected from harm. Long ago, the prophet Hosea said that we are linked to God with cords of love. We are linked to Him. Cords that cannot be broken. These gentle cords of His eternal love, they bind all of our hearts and our hurts to Him. Listen, when we're ready to flee from the dangers of sin and Satan, our God, our Heavenly Father, He's right here. He's right there, ready to save us from death and give us the gift of eternal life. Stand to your feet. Listen, with so many concepts of love, so many different takes on this powerful four-letter word, it's comforting to know that followers of Christ, we don't need to be confused because God is love. God's love is personal, it's proven, it's perfecting, it's preserving. 
Listen, if something's been missing in your life, or maybe sometimes you feel unloved, Jesus always invites you to experience the soul-changing love of God. It's only by the love of God that this life takes on real meaning and we can have, find purpose for living. Wherever you are in your life right now, know that God's love is available to you right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you, God, that you're watching over us. We thank you, Lord, that even when we go through trials, even when we go through hard times, Lord, you're, you're connected to us as we abide in you, watching over us as we abide in you. And Lord, when we, when we need it, you tug us back. You draw us back to protect us, to watch over us, to bless us. So Lord, touch our lives, touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. Listen, the love of God starts with, it starts with God, it ends with God. Amen. And like for me, I thought I knew the love of God, but I didn't until I had a, I started my relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you know about God and you might say God is good and you know, I know about the Bible and I know about church. It's, 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 those things are surface. It's about inviting Jesus into your heart. It's about living for him and letting him perfect you in his love. Let's do that. Every single one of us, let's do that today. Let's live for Jesus. Let's accept and receive his love. Amen? Let's close in worship.